0: So we are continuing to go through Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians. uh, We are now in Ephesians chapter 3. So as we go through each section of Scripture, so that you can find out on page 1,157 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. We're going to be reading from... Ephesians 3. Also, I want to make note uh, on the back of the bulletins. You see where it says sermon notes. Uh, There you have a outline of the message. And also you have the other scripture references that I will touch on some of those scripture references. So that is there for a reference for you to help you follow along. Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. For this reason. Oh, now that sounds a lot like a therefore. So we're going to have to go back a little more. So go back up to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So let's start there. Ephesians 2, 19. Consequently. Uh-oh. Well that's a lot like a therefore too. So let's go back up to Ephesians two. We'll start at verse seventeen. Ephesians two, seventeen. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, that'd be the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, that be the Jews. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you too, speaking to the Gentiles who are in faith, who are alive by the Holy Spirit, who believe in Jesus Christ, and in him, him being Jesus Christ, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. And so now we come to our text for this morning. Chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. There it is. There's the mystery. Members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding. Discernment through the power of your Holy Spirit. Guide us, O Lord. We are absolutely, completely dependent on you. For all wisdom and understanding. Father, we pray that through your Spirit, we would know the truth, which is your Son, Jesus Christ for to know the truth is to be set free. In Christ's wonderful name. Amen. We find here the Apostle Paul. And as we see in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 3, he begins with this. I, Paul, a prisoner. A prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. This is very important because if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, you see how Paul begins there. When the Apostle Paul begins in chapter 3, verse 1, you see where he's transitioning to another section. That's why he reestablishes who he is Because of Christ and Christ's mission for him in his life. That's how he begins the letter. So if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, you see Paul say this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul begins this letter as he begins many of his letters, establishing his apostleship, his authority, his stewardship, his commission, the mission that he's been sent on by no other than God himself. No other than Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the word through which everything was created, the word through which everything is sustained, the word to which his death on the cross enables salvation for all of God's elect. That's who Jesus Christ is. So when Jesus Christ makes you an apostle and gives you a commission, and gives you a mission and gives you a stewardship and says, go. There's a lot of authority in that. And all the authority that's given to the Apostle Paul, he does one thing with that authority. He makes clear that he is but a cracked pot. He is but a clay vessel with a treasure inside. Oh, what a treasure. What a treasure is the Holy Spirit. What a treasure is Jesus Christ. What a treasure is God and all His glory and all His grace and all His love and all His beauty. Can you find a greater treasure? One of my favorite stories is parable jesus told he talked about a man who went and he was out and he finds this treasure in this field he's like whoa so what did he do he goes and he sells everything he has he gets all the money he has he sells everything everything he has so he can do what so he could buy that field right So he buys that field so that treasure can be his. He'll give up everything else so that he can have that treasure. That's what Jesus Christ is to be for us. Our main desire, our main passion, our main treasure. He's our everything. So this is what Paul, he's saying this, Paul, an apostle, and Apostle, so remember, means sent one. So he is a sent one of Christ Jesus by the will of God. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. And it is the will of God that Paul would be the sent one. So as Paul begins this letter to the church in Ephesus. As he says in verse 2, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, we see where he begins chapter 3. Here he's transitioning now in the letter. For this reason, I, Paul. Now he doesn't say apostle here. What does he say? I, Paul, the prisoner. The prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Whoa. That was a part of the job description for the Apostle Paul's apostleship. Remember what God said when Ananias, he was kind of afraid to go and to pray for Paul? Remember God said, you're going to to pray for Paul and restore his sight. And what did he say? He said, Lord, don't you know what he's been doing? I always love that. In the Bible, when you have someone say, God, don't you know? And I I always, that's, that's a powerful thing. God, don't you know? So he says, God, don't you know what he's been doing? How he's been ravaging your churches? How he's been taking people? and beaten and tortured and put in prison if they don't turn away from Jesus Christ? Don't you know this, Paul? And God says, I know. I have called him for a purpose. And I will show him what he must, what is it? Suffer. That's that's what God said for this apostleship. Oh, will the Apostle Paul suffer. Oh, will he suffer. And we see this. We see the Apostle Paul. Shipwrecks, beatings, times of starvation. Milo was just telling me just before the service, he's saying he is reading Acts. And here's the Apostle Paul one moment, the village, they think he's a god. And then they turn on him and they stone him. And they leave him to die. And the disciples gather around, they pray. And he, God brings him back. And what's he do? He goes back preaching. It's unbelievable. Because God would show him what He must suffer. So, why was the Apostle Paul willing to suffer so much? Because he knew that if he had Jesus Christ, he had everything. That if he had the gospel, he had forgiveness, he had life, he had salvation, he had eternal life, that he was made right with his heavenly Father. And his treasure is stored up in heaven. And no matter what he suffered or what he lost on this heaven and earth, he knew that when Christ returned, and there is the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem came down, and all was made well, and every tear wiped away, that he would live forever by the light of Jesus Christ in the presence of God, face to face, no more pain, no more suffering, no more hardship, no more sin. Think of that. So he was willing and able to even rejoice in his suffering. Because he knew that that was the way God set out for him to, by God's grace, enter into the very glory of Jesus Christ amazing things. So when you see this, when Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner. And that's that's a very important title. We understand Paul the apostle. We have to understand Paul the prisoner. The one willing to be beaten, imprisoned, mocked, to lose everything for the sake of Jesus Christ. Because what Paul is saying here is is because he knows who Christ is and what Christ has done for him, that he's been saved by God's grace alone. That's all of Ephesians chapter 2. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We know this because the scripture alone is the authority and the truth, and everything is for God's glory alone. That's why we only boast in Jesus Christ. So we see here, Paul the prisoner. What's powerful here is this. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Rome? No, he didn't say that, did he? For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of the conspiracy of the Jews? No, he doesn't say that. What's he say here? For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. That's it. Everything is for, everything is by, and he looks to Jesus Christ in everything. Yes, the Apostle Paul is an apostle, but he's also a slave. And Jesus Christ is his master. And oh, what a glorious master. Ephesians 2 was all about being freed from the bondage and imprisonment to sin, to the devil, to the world, and to death because of the liberation of the salvation in Jesus Christ. And here the Apostle Paul begins chapter 3 talking about this is now that he's been freed from the bondage and imprisonment of sin of the world, of the devil, of death, of his old flesh, that he is bound to Jesus Christ. That he is a slave to Jesus Christ. That he is a servant of Jesus Christ. And if he's going to be a prisoner, he's going to be a prisoner for, of Jesus Christ. That's what he's lifting up here as he transitions here, as he focuses his gaze on the Gentiles to reveal this mystery. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake or on behalf of you Gentiles, verse 2, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. And the Apostle Paul here, he's he's teaching these Gentiles that God has revealed to him this mystery. He began the letter showing that he was given this authority of apostleship by God. And now as we transition to chapter 3, He's showing that God has revealed to him the mystery. And this teaching is true, and this teaching is authoritative, and this is the only way Gentiles can be saved. and It is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the only way Jews can be saved. is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what he's establishing here. Assuming you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now there's several different places in the scripture that talk about that stewardship. My favorite is always to go to Acts 26. So if you could turn to Acts 26, verse 13. So here is the most in-depth moment where for the Apostle Paul, God comes and he gives him this commission, this stewardship to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, to reveal the mystery of God to the Gentiles. So here it is. Acts 26. I'm going to start at verse 13. This is when he's before the king. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven. Remember, he's on his way to Damascus. And what was his whole purpose to go to Damascus? Destroy the church. Destroy the name of Jesus Christ. Destroy Christianity. It's his whole purpose. His whole desire. Everything that he wanted to do was to destroy the person and work and name of Jesus Christ. He hated Jesus Christ. He hated the church. He hated the truth of God. Though he was convinced he was doing God's will and bringing about God's purpose. So verse 13, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. That's a good expression there. I like that. Kick against the goads. Kick against the goads. Those sharp edge of that stick where you're goading the cattle along. Does it help the cow at all to kick back into that sharp point? Is that going to liberate that cow from pain? No, it's going to make it worse, right? That's what God's saying here. This is what Christ is saying. Why are you kicking against the sharp stick? Come on. And I said, who are you, Lord? Not only is Paul, all that is in Paul is hatred toward Christ, anger and animosity toward Christ and his church. Now Christ is speaking to him. He doesn't even know who he is. Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Oh, here it is. So this is what Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, when in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2, when he says, Assuming that you have heard, of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. He's pointing back to this exact moment in that verse. Here it is. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you have seen me and to those which i will appear to you he's talking about christ is revealing himself to him on the road to damascus and we're going to see later that christ is going to reveal himself again and personally instruct the apostle paul in the truths of scripture revealing to him this mystery this ministry just as the disciples walked with Jesus for three years, we're going to see where Paul will get personal instruction from the resurrected Jesus Christ, where Christ will lead him and guide him through the Scriptures. That's why we understand Paul as an apostle, just as Peter and the other apostles. He had personal instruction and revelation by Jesus Christ. Verse 17, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Now here it is, verse 18. Now here's the the purpose, what Paul is going to do. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. You see Ephesians chapter 2, the first part, echoed in this. That we were once in darkness, that we were once enslaved in bondage, under condemnation, under wrath because of our sin. We are enslaved uh, to sin. We are under the power of the devil. This is exactly, Paul is just teaching out these words that God has given him here. That they may receive forgiveness of sins, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me this is the gentiles the gentiles god is saying this about remember the gentiles the whole god takes father abraham and he makes a people to be his people and he gives them the promises them the commandments He gives them the temple, the tabernacle. He teaches them about himself. He reveals himself in a way that he doesn't to the other nations. But here we see the mystery is fully revealed. That in Jesus Christ, Jew or Gentile, if they believe in Jesus Christ, if they trust him, then their eyes are open. That they are freed from the power of Satan to the power of God. And that they can receive, they too can receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's what the Apostle Paul has been doing through Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. He said in Jesus Christ, there is one body, There is no longer Jew or Gentile. They are one. In Jesus Christ, there is one people of one heart and one mind because there is one Holy Spirit that makes people alive to give them the gift of faith. There's one Jesus Christ who dies on the cross to shed his blood so that we can have salvation and forgiveness. There is one heavenly Father who elects and predestines and brings about the salvation of His people, there is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there's going to be one people. One church. And it's all through Jesus Christ. I always like verse 19 of Acts 26. So after this revelation... Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He wasn't disobedient. And that's why we find him when he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. Because of his obedience, he is in prison. He is in prison. He is facing suffering and persecution and opposition But, oh, those things pale. They can't even be compared to the glory that will be his in Jesus Christ. So he suffers those things gladly for the sake of the gospel. So we see in Acts 26 how God has given Paul this stewardship of his grace and verse 3 how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as i've written briefly verse 4 when you re- when you read this you can perceive my insights into the mystery of christ and he's talking about ephesians chapter 1 and 2 everything before this verse 5 which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery, verse 6, is that the Gentiles, and here he gives three things that belong not only to Jew, but to Gentile. Three things that belong to everyone who is a child of God, to everyone who who has faith, to everyone who is saved. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, male or female. It doesn't matter whether you're barbarian. Those are my people, Scythian Greek. It doesn't matter what background. It doesn't matter how powerful or unable. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed, how broken, how rebellious, how disobedient you've been. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter what holler you lived in. That meant a lot for my people in Kentucky. Some hollers were considered a little better than other hollers. It doesn't matter anymore. That's the mystery revealed. If you come to faith, if the Holy Spirit makes you alive to believe and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior... These three things belong to you just as much as to any other believer who has ever lived. If these three things belong to the Apostle Paul, they belong to you. If they belong to the Apostle Peter, they belong to you. That's the great equalizer of Jesus Christ. So this is it. This is verse 6. These are the three things. Number one, the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Fellow heirs. Remember we saw that throughout Ephesians 1 and, and Ephesians 2? Talking about fellow heirs, how the Gentiles and the Jews, anyone in Christ, can become children, adopted children, loved by their Heavenly Father. Heirs to the promises, all the promises that in Jesus Christ you can have eternal life. In Jesus Christ you can be set free. In Jesus Christ you can know God's love and forgiveness and grace. Those promises, you are heirs of that. Number two, members of the same body. Members of the body. That's why in Christian churches, we can sing the great theological treatise, Father Abraham. And we can move our arms and kick our legs and turn around. The reason why Christians can sing that is because of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. There is a biblical precedent for singing that song. Because if you are in Christ, you are a member of the body of Christ. And you have a purpose. And God has given you gifts and abilities to be a part of that body, to serve in that body. Number three, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. That's why it talks about faith in the Heidelberg Catechism. When it talks about faith, it isn't just believing that God could save others. It's that I believe that God can also save me. Even me. Even me. None of you know my sins near as well as I know. I can tell you that right now. And I don't know any of your sins near enough as you know so when you hear the gospel say that that you in Jesus Christ you can partake in all the promises Christ's righteousness his future glory his love his mighty work that's amazing. That's amazing grace. And how is it that the Gentiles can become heirs? How is it that they can become of the same body? How is it they can partake of the promises of Christ Jesus? What's the end of verse 6? Through the gospel. That's it. Through the gospel. That's everything. That's the treasure. That's the treasure. So that's my hope and encouragement and prayer for each and every one of us. When we understand that gospel, and remember what the gospel is we all in our sins are under condemnation. We are under God's wrath. And what have we earned in our sins? Through all our, our great efforts and strivings in sin, we have earned eternal conscious torment. How's that for a paycheck for you? So that's what we have earned in our sin. But God. There it is. But even though that is what we earned, but God sends his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, perfect obedience, who died on the cross. And on the cross, he takes the sin of all of God's elect on himself. He takes the wrath that we deserve on himself so that we receive his perfect righteousness. We receive forgiveness and that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, he doesn't see our rebellion, he doesn't see our disobedience. He sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, And then if we are in Jesus Christ, God the Father looks at us and can say, I love you. I love you. You are my child. That's the gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul is willing to be a prisoner for, for the sake of the Gentiles. So that's just my hope and prayer for each and every one of us. That first of all, I remember as a kid, I was like, I know Jesus is teaching that parable, but it just doesn't quite seem right. That this person would go and find this treasure and, and almost kind of see him a little dishonest. You know, he goes and sells everything and buys the field you know and this and that but but the point of that parable is when when you found the treasure that is the gospel and when the holy spirit's made you alive to understand who christ is and all his glory and beauty and wonder then you gladly would get rid of and sell and give up everything else he's all you want And if Christ becomes that treasure for you, then you realize that you could suffer anything. Any loss, any pain, anything. Because if you know that you have Christ and that He has you, everything else just fades away and pales in comparison. That is the treasure. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is beautiful. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, how grateful we are that you would appoint the Apostle Paul. That you would make him a follower of you. That you would blind him so that he could see. That you would transform his heart and mind. Father, we thank you that he was willing to lose everything, knowing that if he had you, he had everything, and nothing else could compare. Father, I pray that you would do the same miraculous work in our hearts and minds. That your Son, Jesus Christ, would be our greatest treasure, our greatest desire. And that you would just reveal all the beauty of this mystery to us. Which is your Son, Jesus Christ, crucified, raised, and he's coming back. Just guide us in this truth, Lord. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.